Welcome to Downtown World. Don't waste no time with negativity. The conversations you never get to hear with me, Kay Blair. Weekly where we gain inspiration from our special guests. Thank you for tuning in and sharing, subscribing to us each and every week. This week's episode is sponsored by Shop Downtown, your one-stop shop for everything downtown world. You can visit and support us at www.downtownworld.com. That's www.dwntwnwrld.com. Now, let's get into this week's bowl of fruit. Eat fruit and mind your business. afternoon good night and welcome to another week's episode of downtown world don't waste no time with negativity now i want to thank you guys every week for your true support and we know that every saturday a new episode drops now if you are watching you already know who we have in here today but if you are listening with whatever you are doing um we have a legend in the building now those of you have, who have been following this journey of downtown world with me, you know my love for music and the true homework that is done. And I've been blessed to be able to have a conversation like this today. And it's definitely a full circle moment for me. So we have author, speaker, broadcaster, motivator, connector, um, King, Paul Porter with us in the building today. How are you? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I love the intro. Uh I'm glad to be here. Uh, I've been doing work for 43 years, so I guess I can be a lot of titles. That's okay. A lot of things. Because you got to be able to shift and move. And uh, I'm shifting and moving, and I'm glad we finally got together to talk. I really appreciate it, truly. So those of you are like, Kay, why are you so excited about Paul Porter? What what has Paul Porter done? What is he giving? Um, Paul, I, I, I don't want to insult you by asking you this, but if you just want to give the people just a little bit of a snippet into what you have offered into this thing that people call the culture these days. Yeah, yeah I'm able to uh, sit here and have conversations because you've made lanes like this important necessary so please just let the people know a little bit of what you do what yeah i've been at this getting a check now for 43 years and it's funny when i go back in time and think you know back in college when i got that first internship at a commercial radio station back in boston in 1979 and they were teaching me to say 1090 W-I-L-D Boston. And back then you had to be pop to be on the radio. You know, it was about diction and voice and, and college radio was like king back then. And I've been lucky. I started as a program director up in Boston. Well, started at my college radio station, then became program director at this place, WRBP. And so many people we flipped an all-white school into an all-black radio station. And folks like Wendy Williams, Jay Dick, like so many people came through my college station after we flipped it. it. 
you know, when you get older, you get proud of accomplishments. And one thing led me to another from college radio and Donnie Simpson hired me in DC. I was at NBC, you know, young kid, uh, 24 years old, making $100,000 in DC mm. in 1982. And I'm like- That was big money was, back then. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was good times. And, you know, D.C. led to BET and radio stations and yeah. television spots. And, you know, it, it's Let been a Let them know journey. specifically what was happening at BET because um, our Canadian, I'm based in Toronto, Ontario. Shout out to Canada. So we will know what you're discussing. Let them know what you're doing over at BET. I know you were pro. pro well, yeah, I got to BET in, the late, in 1989. And that was sort of like the... The real BET. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was different. It was, you know, that's when Bob Johnson was the owner and, and my boss, a guy named Donnie Simpson, started. Yeah. And I remember when BET started in an office building in Virginia outside of D.C. and got to see it grow from that stage to working at the network. I was the voice of the network in the 90s, the, music director, the program director, up until they moved to uh, New York. So it was a hell of a journey because BET was hot then. You know, in the 90s, there was nothing else. And music videos had a different role. You know, back in the day, folks- Very important. That's how you got- Yeah. 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 And, And you got to talk to so many people and see things grow. In the industry, this was a different beast then. It was seven- major record labels now there's only three yeah you know the power of music was different too you know there was a love for artists and the artistry and it was displayed in videos for so long and now we take videos for granted (laughs) i think i i not to dig in so deep so early but i truly think based on just what i'm seeing um that that respect level is coming back i feel like COVID kind of reshifted that a bit because artists were stuck inside, not doing as many shows, at least on this side of the border. You know what I mean? And it really forced artists to get back to that point where they would communicate with their audience through video. And the video of the song was actually what the song was about or things, you know, just what we love Hype Williams and Director X and those people for. Like those, I feel like that era of videographers is definitely coming back. Oh, you know, it's funny. You said Hype Williams. And uh, (laughs) one of my good friends, her name's Kim Ogletree. She was a director for Hype. And I remember we were dating at the time. And back in the days, music videos would cost a couple hundred thousand. They were spending millions. (laughs) Yeah, Kim, we did this uh, shoot with Michael Bivens. Jeez. When with Biv 10 records, and I remember I went to the room and Kim had like 200,000 in cash to pay people off, like the actors and dancers. And at the end of the night, she had 65,000 left. And I said, what happens? She said, that's for me, I saved the money. And I was like, wow. And, and there's just so many levels of money. Like I always, my book Blackout, I open. Yes. 
I opened a book talking about Karen Klein when I went back to BET in 99 to be program director. What a time. You know, it was, I was programming 66 million homes. You programmed me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you programmed me. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, and I've been at the network for 10 years before that, but it was different. I checked into the hotel because I was in New York. I used to do voiceovers and and that's when I was on Hot 97 and BLS because I used to share time. And um, I loved the voiceover world. I hit a I big spot. My first, my first audition was AT&T. It's all within your reach. Oh my God. And I got paid 65 grand for six words. And I've been doing it ever since. But anyway. At, you're at, shaking. At, <laughs> no, but at, at, at BET, it was just a different beast, you know, cause I checked into the hotel and two weeks later, I get a FedEx on a Saturday and it says Karen Klein. And I opened the package, it's three envelopes filled with hundred dollar bills, total of 30 grand. Yeah. And I didn't know who Karen Klein was. Yeah. And on Monday, when I got to the office, cause this was still pre-cell phones. Yeah. I, I think I got my cell phone that year. And I, I had that two-way. Anyway, yeah. I get a call at the office, and it was from a record rep saying, we just want to welcome you to BET. That's what that FedEx was for. Jeez. And I was like, oh, Jeez. shit. Things have changed. I've arrived. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it shows you the level of corruption in the business. And I stopped taking money. I did keep that money. And I told the dogs to call off the money because I wanted to make the correct decisions, not based solely okay. on money, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I mean, BET in the 90s was it. I, I made transitions back, back in the radio all the way up until today. I own a station in Orlando. It's called The Wire 98.5. We're a nonprofit station. We teach young broadcasters from Evans High School to uh, be broadcasters. And we play hip hop and R&B a lot more conscious than what you hear on the radio. Yeah. And we're winning in our limited area and we're doing the right thing. thing. So it feels yeah. good, yeah. Yeah, wow, that is heavy, 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 heavy. Um, so much to dive into, Paul, but um, thank you for sharing that just to let people know just a synopsis of what you've given because as I said I remember um, even up to now I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch videos from Video Soul and Arsenio Hall and things that people like yourself that sitting in this position and being able to talk about music and people not thinking it's crazy and it's something that you can actually make a living off of. Um, I don't take that lightly. And I know there were a bunch of black kings and queens that, like yourself that had to go through those doors before we even existed for these jobs to exist. So definitely appreciate, beyond appreciate that. But Kay, you know, the scary thing is a lot of those jobs all are gone. You know, it's like I've seen the rise of black music and now the decline of it because companies the first thing when everything went digital, black music departments have gone away. 
you know, they merge with other, it, it's, we always get this short stick. That's why my favorite saying is, if you're not at the table, you'll be on the menu. Mm. And black and brown folks are on the menu because we're never, never in ownership positions. I've been lucky enough to be on television in 140 countries, Entertainment Tonight, CNN, NBC, and it's not, never, well, every now and then there's black and brown people as producers even. And, and that's why our stories get so confused. And I don't blame white people for it. It's just the, the system of media that, you know, if it bleeds, it leads it. If it's 11 o'clock at night, you're going to see a story on the news here in the U.S. and it's going to be two shot in the head in downtown Atlanta. And, you know, so we have this image of black folks that we grow up in the industry. And, and I know we'll get into it, but the industry's just changed. I, I personally want balance. And don't get me wrong, gangster is part of my story. But as black folks, it is not our only story. Exactly. And we've gotten down to, you know, if, if some people under 40 think hip hop is all about history and not the samples and the musicians that made the music. It's like we're so disconnected now. And, and that's that's what's bothersome to me. Well, that's exactly like what Prince said. And it's exactly what's happening now. Songs are a sample of a sample of a sample. <laughs> Right. And that's why it's important um, for people. And I will include myself in that bracket that though we are younger, take the time to do that education, to know the importance of a Paul Porter and what you guys have brought to the whole, as I said, the culture, not even simplifying it to just hip hop, just the whole blackness in itself in this music industry. Because when I think music, it equals black, period. Yeah. And we're always the leader, but that's the problem. We don't know the history. So, you know, people love certain records, but don't know the original was made in 1965. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, growing up, I grew up in Queens in Jamaica, New York, and I was lucky. My best friend and my second best friend, both fathers were in the music industry. Well, one left and married, left, left his mom and married Nina Simone. And I used to go to wow. Nina Simone's house on the weekends when I was little from eight to 11. And I didn't know a damn thing about who Nina Simone was. Wow. But I knew that they had a black Lincoln Continental and they lived in Mount Vernon, New York in a big house and she played the piano. And Mr. Stroud would, take us around to certain things. And I said, you know, cause back then it was, I played basketball in high school and college, yeah. but it was either go to the army, get a civil service job in sanitation or police. Luckily I played basketball cause I didn't want to do those things. And yeah. it, it, it led to music, but it was a different time. So yeah. I grew up in a time where, you know, civil rights was, it's the 60s. I'm, I'm 11 years old when I hear James Brown's say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And back then you didn't want to be black. Like that was like the bad word. My birth certificate says Negro. And it was, yeah. you wanted to be light skinned because that's who was on TV if you were black. Yeah. And when James Brown came out with that record, 
it just took my soul. All of a sudden, I was black, and the whole country would say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. And that's the power of music, because music talked to so many of folks like that look like me and you. That was the, the bondage from the slave ships over music. And a lot of that power in music has been taken away. I said we went from lyricist to the lyrically challenged with some of the some of the the music that we hear and it's not the old man in me it's just studying the game and seeing yeah we've been dumbed down like we don't even know great musicians anymore great bands or live you know and, and music's taken on a digital form but the weird thing is you know Here's a question for you. Who's the number one artist in the world? And he makes R&B songs. Well, artist of the decade, Drake. Nope, it's Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran made $675 million last year. And guess what? He plays (laughs) R&B. You know, his songwriting style. That's why he gets sued by everybody. And it's simple. He's a great songwriter. And that shows you that songwriting lives, but when it comes to black folks, all we can do is hip hop now. And and that's sort of how the industry sort of paints its brush. It's not broad for us. It's like, okay. And I know my son, my son works with little baby, he works with quality control in Atlanta. So we have these debates yeah. all the time. Why you wear a bulletproof vest, why you carry two guns. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it's That's sort survival. of scary what it, you know, the hate that the uh, industry has too. Yeah. Um, wow. There's like so much I want to dig <laughs> in with you, Paul, because these are things that I just love to speak about, just period. Um, these are the conversations definitely I feel like help to push forward or give ideations or just better, you know, sensibility to what's going on. And I started with your son and I side with you because I myself in Toronto recently, um, we dropped a playlist. I have another show. We dropped a playlist and I strictly made the playlist all Toronto artists. And it was very hard. I just wanted to give the world just a, just a sample into all the different kind of flavors and layers that um, Toronto is giving. We got the electronic, the EDM, the alternative, the hip hop, R&B. And I feel I, while it took me a little bit to train my ear to people like little baby, et cetera, once my ear was trained and I really took in what they were saying, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not saying they are James Brown, but that feeling of say it loud, I'm back and I'm kind of is emerging back again, like with people like Bobby Shmurda, Rowdy Webber being back on the outside and to me personally because I can't push this on anyone else I feel like that was like the real vibe of New York the old New York that was coming back and unfortunately those kings got incarcerated when they're back out now I slowly feel like the pot is readjusting getting like I'm definitely getting that 90s like late 80s 90s vibe again do you feel Kind of like you see that energy coming. I just you you know what? It's sort of scary. I, I, I think it's coming, 
I know musically I'm starting to hear more songs that have meaning and lyric. You know, like I said, I always say we went from uh, lyricist to the... Lyrically challenge. Yeah. And now I hear, I hear a lot of good stuff coming back, but I, I just don't believe it. Because unfortunately, the corporations push what really they want. is the culture. You know what I mean? Look, I was sad when Cardi and Megan did WAP. Why? Because, because, because I knew it was going to be an automatic number one song just because of the situation that Cardi was in, being as big as Megan was. And the song talked about nothing. Like, if it dropped, it could have been like an anthem that lasted. There's so many songs that, in radio and television, we talk about um, three things, recognition, popularity, and fatigue when it comes to research. And research proves that a lot of these songs burn out really fast now. They have longer shelf lives. Like there were songs before that were anthems of your summer that you knew. And the last anthem was uh, almost two years ago. That was Little Nas X, Old Town Road. That was something that charted for over, I think it was 17 weeks. But most songs go real fast. Like DJ Khaled, he'll come out with an album with every star on it. And six weeks later, you don't want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I think once we start making more quality music and getting back to our base, songs will last longer and, you know, the game will get better. It's going to flip. You're right. That's that's what I'm excited for, because people, for the most part, um, mentally were confined, physically were confined for about two years now. This is the first summer where we're really seeing the festivals start to come back. Everything's starting to come back. So I feel like, as I said, it's like this eruption of people just being locked inside. And I want to hear how artists incorporate these times into their music. When we when we look back at 2021, 2022, I feel like it's going to be a pivotal time because that is when you heard what people had to say after, not that it's anywhere close to finish, but after we went through what we went through mm-hmm. with that first shock of everything. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to now, you spoke on it, uh, the attention spans of how people are taking it in. Do you feel like that changes now as well, how the contracts are laid out because the industry knows? Or no, really I think the it? contracts are still as greedy. And I've dealt with a couple of contracts lately. You know, there's so much smoke and mirrors in this game. Like, nobody makes money off of streaming unless you're a Drake or yeah. a J. Cole and you get into that billion. I got a record out that has 100 million streams. Chris Porter, The Water Dance, my cousin, a couple of years ago, we did a pop record, 100 million streams, but we got paid more for being on 10 radio stations than 100 million streams when it comes to royalties and publishing. So it's the music business for a reason. You know, they they have so many of these young folks looking for streams and the average artist doesn't even get a million streams on a song. 
and a million streams is $3,500 if you're lucky, you know, and that's no money. And, yeah. and I know it's a sign that you're building an audience, but it's hard. And that's why everybody winds up being with the big machine, you know, because they have the dollars to pump in to make you happen nationally or globally or anything else. So, so you know. You, sorry, go Paul, go ahead. No, I, I'm just saying there's this false independence now that we have that, you know, own your masses, you can be indie, but it's the paper chase takes paperwork and, <laughs> and it takes paper. You, you know what I mean? So perfect, because I wanted to ask you with entities like United Masters, shout out to Steve Stout and things like that. What do you make of those things and how they oh, influence you just threw me an alley oop. I'm going to catch this and dunk it. <laughs> Look, United Masters is a joke. Oh, you God. know why? Read the first page of the contract. Steve Stout claims that you are free. And if you read the contract at the bottom, they have 10 to 12 months to let you go. They have first right of refusal on all of their artists. So that's what I talk about smoking mirrors. If Steve Stout was the guy at the labels ripping people off, giving up sucker deals, all of a sudden, you know, seven, eight years later, he comes back with this great idea, read the print. Because so many people have been jammed up there and want to get out and can't. They have to go to United Masters to get out. And that's, you, they don't do that at Distro Kid. So don't fall victim to all the hype. Do the business part of it, you know. And that's the scary part. It's funny, I got an app. It's called Music Biz U. Is it and, available for um, yeah, Apple? Yes, in the what? App Store and iOS and Android. And Music I, Biz I do a, Yeah, but it, it's like I try to tell stories of how shit really happens. Because like I said, it's all smoke and mirrors, a lot of it. And it's scary because we've been, we've been tricked for so long. And when you get tricked by a Black person, it's even worse, you know? I don't feel it's, like it's trick. You said it right there. Read the first page of your contract. Read your contract. Because you know, but it's like Kevin really Lowes have reading. also been vocal about how they don't agree with the idea of United Masters. While some people maybe saw the benefit and after their year was yeah. up, they were out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, it's a hard game. And mm -hmm. that's the part of it, the business side that people need advice on. And you don't need your cousin... Bebe, who went to law school at Howard and never dealt with the music business. You need real people that do deals. And unfortunately, you got to pay the money to get real advice a lot of time. Or build relationships. Yeah. People don't have time. You know, you're smart. You're just like, let me get you on the podcast. No, we're going to talk an hour. And then I can now say, Kay's my friend when you come back to me. And with a favor later or something else, I come back to you. And people don't do that work. Just the basics to get things started. Everybody wants to go real fast. Well, it's about it's about last in a long time. You know, yeah. it, it really is. And uh, it's sad. I've seen so many people come and go yeah. in this music business where you be on top 
for 10 years living. And now, so like my boy, Gary Harris, we started in college at the radio station. He mm -hmm. signed D'Angelo and uh, just so many great artists. Yeah. And he's been gone like seven years because the industry was cruel to Gary. He's been out of work for 20 years. It's just, I just know too many people that have got caught up and died, you know. And I try not to think of the negative side, but, it's there. you know, people want it and this business will kill you. And it's killed me at times, you know. This is about bouncing back, you know. In the 80s, I was at NBC when I got fired from there. I lost my mind. I almost snowed in Peru. Yeah. I was out. Yeah. You know, in the 80s, uh, just going wild. Yeah. And when I got fired from BET, it was the same thing. Because sometimes we put so much into working for others. And it's, it's not your company. You know, it's somebody else's. And that's mm -hmm. why I say that if you're not at the table, you'll be on the menu. It's just a matter of time. Until some company or some new boss or somebody makes a change, yeah. change or I'm six three and my new boss is five three and he don't like me because I'm taller and that's the music business, unfortunately. Yeah. So then, wow, heavy, heavy, heavy talk and like I myself will be replaying uh, this whole conversation because forty three years. And I'm sure there's more attached to that. That's nothing to play with. And there's beauty in that because you were able, as, as you said, to see the rise and fall throughout this game. So it's easier for you, I would, I would believe, and I do believe, for you to see someone and be like, they'll be here 30 years from now versus like, we won't know your name. Um, I have XM Radio in one of my vehicles and there's a station on, there's a group of stations on there that I love to listen to, but like one station is the 40 station, 50 station, 60 station, and mm. the decades. And I'm like, I know there was a lot of people during these years, but there's only going to be a certain handful of people that make it to that playlist yeah. of yeah. those that, you know what I mean? In 2021, they're still going to play to say, this is music that was in the 40s that you should know about. Um, just speak on how you feel about that. If someone is saying to you, like you said, your son works with little baby, like how that feels. Cause it, it's kind of like depressing if you were to explain it to someone that doesn't have a strong backbone or done any research before they get invested into this thing called the entertainment slash music industry. So what, what are the things you say or tell young people before stepping into this or while, when they're- well, I, I just say, study the culture. Mm. I mean, and the culture is not today, it's the history. Mm. And history repeats itself in cycles in different ways. But I feel much better when you can look at the arc and the scope of the industry and go up and down and, because it's all connected. You know, some of the players, Look, when I was an intern in 1979, the first person I met was Sylvia Rohn. And Sylvia Rohn is the president of Epic today. And 42 years later, I still can call her, you know, and build. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what 
the beauty about this is that sometimes you start things and, and the connections come later, but it's a process, you know? I, I knew Sylvia for like, like 12, 15 years before I got to BET and then it was a whole different deal. And when I left BET to see how people treat you when you leave <clears throat> and when you're in a situation of power, that's when they changes. feel like you're up yeah, or yeah. they feel like you're down because they don't yeah. know your business when, and how they when I, got, when I got fired from BET, the people that were kissing my ass, some of them I never talked to again. I would hear from some people almost daily. And once I got fired, it's funny because one of them work at MTV and I just laugh now that really you were that lousy and stinky and dirty that, you know, but it was... Yeah. She was calling to pray with me before, oh, wow. you know, in the morning. One Can we pray? And yeah. then once I got fired, I never heard from her again. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So you learn some of the lessons over time. Yeah. And, and that's what I try to share. You know, as long as we keep talking and sharing experience, because everybody's been down some path before, you know, mm -hmm. faced with some of these decisions. And I'm not saying listen to everything that everybody has to say. Chew the meat, spit out the bones. You know, everything's not for you. But I can see BS a whole lot quicker than you can, you know, because I've been there. And people get excited. Uh, you know, it's like everybody says, uh, uh, yeah, so-and-so offered me a deal. Ain't nobody offered you no damn deal. You know, <laughs> nobody's doing that. I cut, you know, and it's funny on Clubhouse and now oh, Green Room, yeah. there's so much, there's so much hype out there and it's just painful for me it's to see. It's painful to listen to, I swear to God, Paul. And this is the thing, the day when I came on and entered the room that you, that you all were in, and that was the first time in a while, like I truthfully said that I had been on Clubhouse and God just blessed me to have entered the right one and now we're sitting here today you know but <laughs> let me ask you this right because we were speaking earlier on just the importance of the videos with the music and that happening and I do feel you know based on how everything's looking going the importance of a video countdown show or video show of some sort will be necessary again um when you were doing video souls right love the format love the concept was just i'm just getting onto the nerd side were you the one that 100 percent formulated how that show went about like from set to the songs that you guys would choose to share like what oh, was your process like no my process luckily i wasn't in production okay we had directors and producers that my thing was always programming music and talent so picking what went on the show on Rap City and blah, blah, blah. That was cool. And I learned a lot of things. Make good the, choices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is. And, you know, the funny thing is, I tell folks, even today, it's not what you play, it's what you don't play. Mm. You know, it's sort of weird. It's real easy to play all the top stuff. Mm. But and when you can find that song that nobody knows, and everybody's yeah, and, like, what song is this? Yeah, that's but that's that the problem me. now. The <laughs> industry's changed. 
Yeah. Like so many people do analytics now. Everything's about numbers and stream. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't hear a hit? Like, <laughs> you know, yes, that's the job. And that's why music is so national now. Before, you know, look, think about it. In Seattle, there was grunge music. Detroit had Motown. The South Atlanta had their vibe. West Coast, New York. But now records come out at the same time everywhere. And that's the scary part. Everybody sounds alike. And there's little baby, the baby, the baby's father, and baby's daddy. And, you know, so I just want to see all our flavors. We got so much music. Temp- and when so you was think that of part what- of it for you? Like, were you having to go to the South, source that music for Rap City, then go here and source that music? Like, you would how, hear how from was it everybody. coming? Or someone would say, I'm sending you this cassette tape. Like, how how was it happening? Oh, I mean, because now stuff. I get a bunch of DMs and emails, but I know that wasn't what was happening when you were so. Oh, no, the labels were pushing you on everything. You know, Mm. there was a promotion person for everything. Mm. There was a reason for lunch and dinner or to fly you away. (laughs) You know, one time I went to a video shoot for SWV in Hawaii and flew from D.C. for two days, which was the dumbest thing I ever fucking did. Fly for all those hours to get to Hawaii to get right back. And I don't do that anymore, but... um, you know, there, there, there's so many people that, that turn you on. And once you get uh, get to pick and choose winners in advance, and you can't do them all, but yeah. that's the best feeling in the world to hear or see something ahead of time. And we don't have that anymore. Everybody follows everybody else most of the time. You know, or when they're hyping up, it's like, I just saw, you know, on somebody's IG like you got to hype up Megan and her new song "Thought." Like everybody's the new marketing tactics thought. that are out. Yeah, streaming yeah. party, all these things. But I really love the way that you broke down the numbers. So as I said, I hope people were really listening and catching that how you were just explaining the streams and equivalent to maybe getting on a certain number of radio shows will equal to even matching more of the amount. Yeah, it's about thinking outside the box. Uh, Like, you know, I've always challenged who makes the rules and why there are rules. Like, you know, and and they'll tell you, I remember when research came in with radio and everything went digital and analytics. And, you know, they gave you these numbers. And I said, well, if everybody has analytics, why doesn't everybody win? Because this interpretation, how you use stuff, how you re- use research. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, now you got to think outside the box. I mentioned my cousin, Chris Porter, the water dance. When he came to me as an indie artist, I said, uh, he asked me, what do I need to make this record a hit? I said, I need $25,000. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. And, and, but here's what he did, Kay. He studied Kickstarter. 30 days later, he started a Kickstarter. All right. And then on the 31st day, he had 25 grand because he had real fans, made up prizes, promoted it, did a video. And, and 
we took that money, spent $9,000 on a video with Trisha Miranda, who's a dancer, choreographer. Yeah. And she had, we flew before out to Before the boom cack, let them know, before the boom cack. Yep. <laughs> well, flew, out, <laughs> flew out to LA, yeah. shot it with all her dancers, and all of them had hundreds of thousands of followers. Like there were like 60 people in the room. Well, the video did 20 million the first month. You can Google it. Chris Porter Award. That was a great investment, you know, and a great return. Yeah. But it was also taking a chance, yeah. you know. And I know everybody will say, oh, yeah, do Facebook ads and do this and do this and you could get this yeah. money. But no, next thing an NFL player was doing it in the end zone. And sometimes you shoot high and shoot outside the box. Like I get records on in Dubai and Saudi Arabia where they'll put records in a record charted for Chris. You remind me, we went number one in the UK, got a deal in the UK. So it's a global market now. And if you're not working to try to get get to that table in other spots. And, and I know it's great to start local and build and get places, but I, I'm the same. I'm off that mindset. Yeah. It's a global thing. I'm based in yeah. Toronto. I have love for my city, but it's a global thing for me. One of my, one of my largest audience for this show is in um, Bermuda. Like, and I'm just like, all right, like, like so I, I i agree with you one thousand percent it's a global thing and it's unfortunate that i find so many people look at the same markets all the time the u.s yeah. market then the uk i'm like there's a whole gang of places in this world like that you can shoot for so paul let me ask you this you know m more recently in the news damon we know we, we know, but we don't know the situation between Jay-Z and Dame Dash. And more recently now, um, Rockefeller has sued, NF has sued Damon Dash over him trying to, I guess, make an NFT out of his share of reasonable doubt. Um, just the fact that hip hop and the music industry is now elevating to this space. And this is a space that, in your experience, has not been done before, but it's not the first time you've seen tech come in and play a huge pivotal role in the music industry. What are just your thoughts on it? It doesn't have to be specific if you, you know, I'm not forcing you to say anything about anyone, but like, just what are your thoughts on it just as a, as a whole? Because I do see this as a huge learning lesson for everyone. This is the first time that we're seeing something of this. Um, and it can possibly go down in history as the largest um, NFT music sale. So yeah, I, I think it's not going to happen because of lawyers, but it, it's funny. Uh, a guy I met from Toronto, Dead Mouse, on the EDM side, I met Dead Mouse in a room, and we were in rooms every night for a couple of weeks, and we became friends. And his NFT, did, I mean, it's a whole new space now. And of course, Jay-Z is going to break the bank and that's a battle of lawyers with Damon. And it's a new space that, you know, one thing you have to have the audience to win it. The Steve Aoki uh, NFT sold for like 780,000. That, that's the biggest music artist I know. Uh, 
And John Legier, who used to be the CEO of T-Mobile, he bought it. And I was in a room with him on Clubhouse the night he bought it. Like wow. there's so much money in the tech side. Oh yeah. And startups is something that black and brown people were behind again. You know, we were behind on websites, you know. That's you why feel like everybody... we're behind because I feel like I see a whole gang of black people within this space. I know, but think about it. I'm part of a startup called Needle, N-E-D-L. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's an audio chat app. And I met this brother Allende and he raised, you know, 1.6 million a couple of years ago. He's the first brother who created the iHeart app. And um, their, their first app in 2004. Yeah. So it's taken him so long to build this company. And, you know, in the tech space, it's all getting the VC money. And a lot of black and brown folks don't, you know, Clubhouse has spent over a hundred million dollars for that platform. Everybody thinks it's some cheap stuff, but that costs a lot of money to get big. And that's what we don't normally get the chances to get that money and that capital to uh, build something. So you, you feel like the sale is not going to happen because money's long and <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, yes, but as well, um, if I'm honestly speaking, like there's no rules to this yet. Yeah. So yeah. that's the, I don't want to say the fun part to witness. Well, this is, yeah, this is I, how I the rules come about. So it's interesting to see how things, um, play out or what can be, what will be done in future, yeah. because I was drawing the example of um, Jim Jones the other day. And I said, ah, Jim Jones is a very smart man. Give him a lot of credit more than people do give him. Cause just knowing all the things that he does in front of the camera and mm -hmm. behind. And he's one of the first music hip hop artists that I heard talking about on um, the crypto space. And as you know, he has his capital coin, but there's a reason why he started off with capital cap capital coin and was nfting his things as opposed to starting off with something with the diplomats you know what i mean yeah so well, obviously you're really good in this space i know i'm not so i'm gonna call k and get advice <laughs> from you from now on because you know like i said this is a i got experts that i can call for like some things i'm good at but this whole NFT world, it's been like the last eight, nine months, it's just developed. And that's the scary part. Like, what? Yeah. who's the police going to be? And the whole crypto world. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll it's see. interesting. But definitely buy you some. <laughs> All right. Definitely. Um, wow, powerful. Now, a staple question I should have asked you way back, but I'll ask you now. Um, standard question that we ask here at downtown what is a situation paul where it was definitely a negative situation no questions asked but somehow some way you found a way to overcome you might have even surprised yourself and you chose not to waste any time with negativity wow i know you gotta laugh <laughs> yo matter of fact let me tell you a clubhouse story since we met back in november it was the first time you know, the second day I was on Clubhouse, first or second day, I was in a big room with Tyrese 
and it was a music industry room. And back then on Clubhouse, I think there's eight, nine hundred people, mm -hmm. people in the room. And um, you know, uh, Chuck Creekmore from All Hip Hop brought me on stage, and I'm ready to go on. And they're telling industry stories, you know, all the vets and the OGs and the double OGs. And right before I'm next on stage, right before Stephen Hill comes on, and Stephen Hill fired me at BET 20 years before that. Jeez. And I hadn't talked to him. Jeez. Hadn't. Did he specifically and, fire you? Oh, yeah, yeah. And the way he fired me was real cold. It's in my book, Blackout. He fired me 60 days before wow. my date. And this dodged me in the hallways. BT, we're in the same building. Never saw him again. Wow. And it was really some punk stuff. Wow. But uh, so, and I used to be like real angry and mad and like fuck Stephen Hill. So yeah. I get in, I get in the room and I, you know, Tyree says, "Yeah, Paul Boyer, what's up?" But I said, "Man, you know, since we're telling industry stories, the last time I saw Stephen Hill." He fired me 20 years ago and it was real cold and the room drops. Yeah. I said, All but if I, <laughs> I said, I said, but Steven, if I saw you now, I'd give you a hug. And he says, Oh man, that's so nice. But here's the part that blew my mind. He tells the story of right away, he says, Paul, I never told you this. You were my favorite DJ wow. in DC. He said, he was so much my favorite. When I got my first job, I called myself Captain Stephen Hill because I used to wow. be the captain on BET yeah. for six years. So I'm like in shock. I never heard this over, you know, 25 years of life and knowing him and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. And I go, Stephen, well, why didn't you say something? You know, why didn't you say I was your idol? And then it clicked. His pain and his his weakness was dealing with me. You know, it wasn't my fault he didn't talk to me. It was his ego that got him. Like if I met, if I met, I worked for Frankie Crocker. He was one of my idols. If I became his boss, it's I would have taken care of him. Yeah. But that was Stephen Hill's pain yeah. that turned into my pain that I worried about and not until I let that shit go. Cause back then I was fucking bald and now I got all my hair back, you know? So good. <laughs> let it go. No, yeah. but let it go. Yeah. Let it go. You know, you can't carry that energy for long mm -hmm. and it's not good for you. And you can't figure out other people's pain. Cause you know, cause he treated me so weird. I was there 11 years. And that shit hurt. And I was like, wow, is it because he's short? You know, I blamed it on the short man complex. I'm 6'3", yeah. he's 5'5", five, five, yeah. you know, yeah. I was just thinking. And that that's was, real. you know, 21 years ago. And so that, that is like so powerful. Thank you for just being so transparent and sharing that story because that is life in itself. I literally just had this conversation with a friend where it was just like, talking about just personal issues going on in my life and she was like the forgiveness the healing is like for you you don't even yeah. you don't even need to talk to the other person it's helpful it's whatever but 
to be honest, it's for you. And you had that moment way before being in that clubhouse room, even knowing that the moment would formulate like that. And I love that King energy. And, and that's the part too. You think that it's on your mind. It's on the other person's mind way more than you would have even realized. Well, sometimes it's not. Sometimes, sometimes it's not. Yeah, sometimes the, the beauty of this business is when you can let it go, let it go. It's like a relationship. I mean, I had my longest relationship of my whole life. It ended three years ago. And uh, that shit took me a while to let go. Like, that's my first long relationship. And as you get old, five years, and I haven't spoke to her in a couple of years. That's like really different for me, you know. Kind of her kids and everything moved into my house, and uh, yeah, you know. Friend. But I've le- huh? yeah, but I've learned how to let things go. And yeah. before it would have killed me, and now I go, you know. It's funny the the greatest singer on the planet. I I say is Rochelle Farrell, mm-hmm. and many moons ago, matter of fact, in nineteen ninety nine. Or was it two thousand? She gave me a book, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. Mm. And I, she said, this book will change your life. And you can read page by page because I'm not a big reader, even yeah. though I wrote a book. Yeah. And that book taught me how to take the pain off of my shoulders mm. and understand other people's pain. And sometimes their pains can hurt you and it really shouldn't, so... Right. I'm a lot tougher now because right. I'm a big time crier. I'm really yeah. sensitive. That's all right. That's all right. Um, we need to normalize that. Um, and thank you for bringing that up because it's a perfect segue. Uh, I was Father's Day just passed by not too long ago. And I, I'll be honest, through looking through the algorithms, it, it didn't feel nice. I felt like I didn't... Um, get the same feeling I felt when I scrolled through the algorithms and Mother's Day, you know? And I felt kind of bad for our men, to be honest, because I'm like, I get it, what people can say about men to X, Y, and Z. But I was like, it just, this year, for whatever reason, it just really didn't sit well with me. I'm like, all these women are taking the time Mm -hmm. to like lay out their grief, whatever the case is. And I was like, let's just celebrate our kings the same way they celebrate us, you know? Um, Just what are your thoughts on father's day and just being a black man and being able to truly express how you feel well this is how i feel life is not fair we we look for this life that we expect the same love that we give the same energy and it's not fair you know mother's day is always like a special day for everybody and Father's Day is, yeah, for only the good fathers, not the bad fathers. Like, you know, I'm not saying most mothers are great, there's bad mothers too, but like everything with Father's Day is always with a doubt. And and that's cause our fractured family. And it's, it's, it's this, it's hard to break up the culture associations, but when I when I when I mentioned earlier that my I've always worried about who made the rules and why we do certain things and you know and and is it right? Yeah. And there's a lot of things that I question still. 
And a lot of things I'm not a part of in terms of I'm not going to be fall victim to this dayhood. And, you know, it's there's so many things and challenges that life puts on you. And I like to shed them, you know, and, and make my own Father's Day, make my own Mother's Day and not, you know, I'm not going to lose my shirt on Christmas anymore. Yeah. I'd rather give all year long than, yeah. or, or, you know, I just don't want to fall victim. Like, I hate the Grammys, you know, because yeah. I know what the Grammys overlook, Yeah, you know, so I'm not going to celebrate them, you know. Um, I'm not going to celebrate Spotify because they rip off artists, geez. you know. So the, there's a lot of things that we can do. We do a whole lot of talking these days, but we do too too little when it comes to you know taking action steps there's got to be more action so another staple question that um we do have here at downtown and i promise i'm wrapping up is you have the five elements water earth air fire and spirit which element paul do you feel like represents you or you resonate with the most and why fire <laughs> yeah, fire. I mean, yo, there's nothing like passion. There's mm. nothing like drive and, and and going through a door first. Like that's like a cool feeling. Mm. Like I've got to do a lot of crazy stuff. You know, 30 years ago I was in Africa with Stevie Wonder on his first trip to uh Cameroon. And we were there, the AIDS was terrible. Jeez. And uh, just, just some of the things, bringing Michael Jackson on stage and riding my bike to James Brown. So being part of the culture is one thing, but the best thing is, is seeing people win. Like Tuma Basa, who was with me at BET, who I brought as my assistant, now he's the director of YouTube. You know, he started Rap Caviar and Spotify. Yeah. You know, I told Joy Ann Reed when she got a job at NBC through a connection. Yeah. You know, I remember when Wendy Williams, Wendy's in my book, and when she was on the AM radio and taking her around. And now, so yeah, the process is one thing. The things you think, think of wins really ain't that big until later you you know it's the relationships that you build yeah. and we get caught up in the money and the fame but it's nice when you can pass the baton i just sent tuma tuma had his first baby yeah. and i sent him a rocking chair my mom used to give all my old girlfriends a custom rocking chair with the name on it she cost 178 dollars and when Tumet was having this baby last year, I said, I'm gonna pass this tradition down my yeah. mother's past. And I sent him a, That's a, a rocking chair for it. You know, so you get yeah. a little more sensitive and don't get me wrong, I'm gangster. I got two guns on me now. The gangster, the real gangsters do, yeah. do stuff like that. <laughs> yo, I saw, yeah, I remember seeing a Michael Jackson show Back when Michael was hot, people were gangsters, and you would see the toughest gangsters at Michael Jackson's show screaming. screaming. <laughs> yeah, for Michael Jackson. And that's 
that's the power of music. The power know? of music. Yeah. I think that has to be your next book. Yep. No, we'll see. Yes. Um, Paul, I would like to ask you, um, just let everyone know where they can find you, where they can follow I'm real you, easy. support you. Um, and I'm also normalizing if you just like to let the people know how you prefer to be approached. Hey, it, it's real easy. Just be persistent and constant. But I reach out to reach back to everybody on all platforms. I'm at Music Biz U. Music B-I-Z-U. I got an app at Android and Apple. Music Biz U, musicbizu.com. And, and let's build a friendship first, you know. Don't just send me a link with some music and say, yeah. yo, tap in, tap in. You know, that was the big word on Clubhouse. Just tap it. No, I'm not tapping in. in. Like <laughs> you gotta, you gotta pitch me or I'm gonna reach out to you. This let's build and yeah. think about the long game. So yeah, hit me up and you can give folks my telephone number. You're not a caller, you're like a texter. I know this yeah. shit is technology, but sometimes this call and talk like yeah that's what i remember I, there's no classic text in my head that i go oh man <laughs> i remember that's my, that <laughs> that's my favorite text if it's some text shit it's some bullshit <laughs> but uh people remember conversations first meetings they never remember sure. a thread remember that thread we were on oh shit we were in a group text so <laughs> Try, try to connect with your mind, okay? That is All so right? true. Oh my gosh, I love that, but it's so true. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, never. Yeah. Never. All right. Well, yeah, you should start a room with that. But tell us your top 10 texts. <laughs> like, it's anyway. true. It's true. No, I love the way you think. I love the way you think. And OGs like you are very much necessary. And I do not underappreciate the value that you guys bring because I could honestly sit right there right next to you and probably talk to you all day about this shit. So um, hey, hey, here's one more thing. <laughs> yeah. And you can get my book Blackout, my yes, 40 I years actually, in the yep, music I definitely business. Want to. And, and, and the funny thing is all the books that I ship myself from home, I sign and I put my number in it and people freak out and i built a lot of relationships from people calling. They might just send me a picture of them holding a book that was part, but I've had some great conversations with people because Amazon rips off authors, but uh, yeah. and I've sold pl plenty on Amazon, but yeah, it's uh blackout and you don't have to buy the book. C-SPAN gave me 90 minutes. If you Google Paul Porter blackout, as a sort of honest special that I talk about a lot of things that I do in the book. So it's been cool, Kay. I'm glad. Oh, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. You dropped a lot of fruit, a lot of fruit. And I hope No, that... it's gems. It's gems on Green Room. <laughs> How many gems you got? Well, How here at World, I seen that. And I when I was reading the press release, I was like, this is going to be a shit show. I haven't even signed up for it yet. I'm like, oh, I know no, I should enter. I know I should mm -hmm. enter in there, but I'm like, this gem idea. Oh, God, you're going to have people behind this. Oh, scene. they already changed. I can it. gem you down if you like. Oh, God. Like, I yeah, see. I see it already. I see it already. But but good. You're asking questions. 
So, and sometimes we don't have to participate in bullshit. You know, where you can, that's good that you ask questions instead of, oh yeah, let me get in this new room. And it's funny, uh, uh, like the same people from Clubhouse are there doing the same pits they were doing on uh, on Clubhouse six months ago and having rooms that I'm like, this is not going to be my role here. Yeah. Anyway, but thank you no, very I, much. I agree. And, you know, I will say, like, just for me going into these apps, it's an in and out thing. Like, I can't for too long hear stuff that doesn't like, if you were on the mic more or I believe it was Jackie, like people like that, that you could tell they know what they're speaking on. They've actually like- Yeah, it's real easy to get it's, fooled. It's real easy to listen, but that wasn't a learning experience for me on Clubhouse. Like just learning, wow, there are a lot of people that say they do this, but it, in actuality, that's not what's happening. So, <laughs> but that's life in general. <laughs> yeah, you know it. <laughs> when we think about it. But um, one, one last thing, Paul, um, <laughs> In downtown, here in Toronto, we used to have a show called Speaker's Corner, and it was a booth set up downtown, and people could pay a dollar or loony, and they could go in, because our loony is a, a coin, and they could go into this telephone booth and say anything that came to mind. You've seen people singing, you've seen people breaking up, making up, um, just, oh, okay. it was anything goes. So we have a new segment here at downtown, Downtown Speaker. And I want to give the mic to you, Paul. So it doesn't have to be related, even though I know you gave so much today, but anything that's just on your mind that you want to put out there and lay out to the world, um, downtown speaker is yours. Wow. You know, the one thing I like to share is lift some folks up, take some folks. I judge success um, by what you can do for others, you know? And, and that's not, it's not always putting your boy down. It's just building people's character and being nice to people. It's real easy to be nice and, and trustworthy. And we all make mistakes. This, this cancel culture is ridiculous out here where, you know, and I'm one to get in people's ass too. But if you give, you'll receive. And it might not come now, but it'll come at your darkest day. And, you know, I've been through a lot of ups and downs and it, it always works out. It always works out. So be, be patient, man. Let, let me just tell this last story because this is healing for me. Yes. Two months ago, my best friend in life came in to visit and Garner Mahan had pancreatic cancer stage four. And he kept saying for 13 months uh, that he wanted to make me his bucket list trip before he died. And I was messing with him. But uh, over the course of time, he just got worse and worse, you know, and I was hoping he was going to make it. So he came on April 18th and uh, picked him up at the airport. He was weak came in from Virginia and all he wanted to do is see his boy and talk. And, um, you know, to be honest, he said, I just want to smoke a cigarette and smoke a joint, I mean, and, um, you know, have a beer, that was it. 
So that night he came in at eight o'clock. We had a beer and he had an eight for three weeks, three weeks without holding, throwing his food up. And he smoked a joint and he, I said, Garner, you got to eat, man. And I ordered some Chinese food and we ate and talked all night. And the next morning he woke up, you know, imagine getting cancer treatment, chemo for 12 months. He woke up and says, uh, Paul, six o'clock, I'm hungry. Can we go to Dunkin' Donuts? He said, man, I ain't, been. and I'm smiling. I'm like, what? Yeah, she, shit, yeah, let's go. It, yeah. So we go and he eats again and holds his food down. 10 o'clock, we're right here. I'm in the same chair where he, he was sitting there in my backyard and we were supposed to go to the beach. The whole thing was a trip to the beach. So where I live in Florida, I took him to my community pool so he could sit out under the sun, set him up under a chair that had a shower that you could pull the water on and I was gonna be gone for an hour and 15 minutes. Of course, I called him and uh, he's calling everybody. I'm on my bucket list with trip with Paul, his kids, uh, friends. I text him, he answers back. I say, I'll be there in 13 minutes. Yeah. I say, I'll be there in 15 minutes. I get there in 13 minutes. Yeah. And Garner's not in the seat. Like when I pull up, he's not in the seat. I fucking get out the car. He's in the fucking water, laying face down. He drowned. He passed down in my fucking pool. And I start screaming, help. I jump the fence and I start giving him CPR. And that's when I knew God had a bigger plan. You know, he died 36 hours later, had a slight pulse, but he was brain dead at the time. And everything we talked about was him, you know, 10 o'clock that morning, he said, Paul, if I die today, I'm a happy man. I got to see my boy and um, my girl's okay. He's like, my, my, my daughter sent me money. Whose kids send them money? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> wow. And he passed. But that's, that whole, because I was like, why me? Why, you know, and his wife, that was, toughest call he was married over 30 years yeah, i it. could imagine so hard for, and, him, um, for him yeah so it's been like a dark time of remembering the past two months but like what i'm saying whatever cards you get dealt you know there's a reason and there's some beauty behind it if you haven't reached it yet it's coming and, and i knew he was happy and you know he was at peace so uh it was just a wild experience. I don't know why I ended there, but I just wanted to land a plane I love on a real tip because everybody deals with shit. So if people think, you know, everything's happy times, it's not going to happen. So thank you, Kay. I'm glad I've been downtown today. Wow. I'm glad. I'm glad you came downtown. Um, that was so powerful. Many of my viewers know um, my father, he battles with cancer, so... We never discussed it, we never shared it, but God laid that on your heart and you definitely bless me. Um, <laughs> and I wanna dedicate this conversation, this episode to your friend. I really do. All right, Garner Mahan, my man Garner from Mayhem. Jamaica, Queens with the, with the crossover J, the my boy. He's the reason I did a lot of stuff because he was my hero, you know, as a kid.
I'm like fighting back the tears. I'm like, Paul, why are you making me yeah, cry? Yeah, I'm about to cry. That's why I had the glasses. It's so beautiful. It was yeah. so, and thank you for just sharing such a personal moment with me because I can't imagine mentally, please don't beat up yourself too much. Because oh, no, you no. Gave, it's, you gave hey, me what you wanted. I went to the pool for the first time two days ago right. on Father's Day and went to the pool and everything when it happened in real time looked bigger. Yeah. And, you know, and when I looked, Garner was in three feet of water when he drowned because he was standing on his feet. Yeah. But his body was over. Yeah. And and I was hoping he was going to lift up his head. Yeah. But I was like, Garner, and he didn't lift it up. And I jumped the fence. So, um, yeah, it's still. But then, you know, the happiness takes over by the stuff that he said and we did and we shared. So um, oh, I'm going to be fine. But, uh, you know. And, and when his daughter called me the other day and uh, sent me a story, she was in the newspaper in Atlanta. And she said, normally I send this to daddy, but I'm sending it to you, Uncle Paul. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing my shit right. Because I'm on those girls. So uh, you got me crying now. I got to go. All right, Paul. You know, I got an Uncle Paul and he is my world. Like... Okay. I love him. So shout out to all of our Uncle Pauls out there. Y'all are needed. And Paul, just thank you for your transparency, the beautifulness we gave. I'll do one more before we go. Um, everyone knows on my personal page, I'm always cooking. I love food, maybe a little too much. But right. <laughs> what did you eat today? Jimmy John's. What is that? A sandwich shop. I had a delivery and okay. a banana earlier. I'm okay. about to eat now. But, okay. Uh, good thing is, I played basketball in college. I was 185 point guard from Jamaican Queen. All right. Now I'm 195, you know, almost 45 years later. So I'm good. I'm that is really amazing. Yeah. No, no I, was up to, I was up to 270 at one time, believe me. Those BET days and free dinners and eating, I was baby shipping <laughs> for what? Shit. <laughs> But, uh, get me the most expensive thing on the menu. We're we're, yeah, this we're invoicing this tonight. <laughs> a lot of smoking, a lot of weed, and a lot of munchies. But um, seriously, all right. seriously, Paul, thank you. You're a true king. Um, this will not be the last time we're speaking. And today, thank you for choosing not to waste any time with negativity. Eating fruit, minding your business. You guys know. You can follow him at Music Biz U. You're also able to download the app and all things Paul Porter. So I'm definitely going to make sure to get that book and be educated some more. So thank you, Paul, for your time. All right, all love. This thank has been you. another episode. About to go downtown.